Welcome to Inside Scott, a podcast of the Independent Herald, the award-winning voice of Scott County and Big South Fork Country. We're providing news and insight into what's happening in your community. And now, the host of the show, Independent Herald publisher, Ben Garrett. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Inside Scott. On this Sunday, April, the, I'm sorry, Monday, where are the days going? It is Monday, April the 6th, 2020. And of course, the big story still today in Scott County, and not just in Scott County, but across Tennessee, throughout the United States and around the world, obviously, is the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, unfortunately, we wish it wasn't so, but it is, and it will be for the foreseeable future, simply because there's nothing else going on. All the things that would typically typically make news are shut down. And just for a case in point, I'm sitting here at my desk and I have a copy of the intake report from the Scott County Justice Center for the past week. Every Monday we get a copy of the intake report, which is everybody who was checked in, booked in at the jail at the Scott County Justice Center over the course of the past week. And in a typical week, there will be anywhere from 25 to 35, maybe 40 arrests that are made and inmates who are checked in at the jail. This week, there were four. Four. And one of those is an inmate who is being held for Anderson County. So you take that one away, and over the course of the past week, since March 30th, there were three arrests that were made in Scott County in the course of one week. And that is incredible. I've never seen anything like that. You know, even in, a, even in the slowest holiday week, when there's nothing else going on, You might see 16, 17, 18 arrests made. You'll see it slow way down. But three arrests in Scott County in a single week. That is just almost mind-boggling. And there's two things that you can take away from that. One is crime has probably gone down a little bit because everybody's staying at home. But the other thing, probably the bigger takeaway, is that a lot of warrants that would otherwise be served on non-violent offenders like uh, probation violators and people who are not paying their child support. Those warrants are not being served right now simply because there is an effort that is being made, not just here but across America, to keep as many non-violent offenders out of jail as possible while this coronavirus outbreak is going on. But it just underscores my point that there is nothing else other than the coronavirus that's happening. So let's talk about coronavirus. And trust me, everybody's sick of hearing it. I know. I'm there. I'm with you. I'm as sick of writing about coronavirus as everybody else is sick of reading it. But, and I would much rather, by the way, I would much rather be writing about sports and commission meetings and budget hearings and and court cases and that sort of thing. But none of that stuff is happening right now. And so with that being said, as long as this outbreak is developing, And as long as it is still accelerating, as long as it is a threat, then it's our responsibility, no matter how sick we are of hearing about it, it's our responsibility to talk about it, to read about it, to write about it, because every one of us has got a role to play in preventing this thing from being any worse than it has to be. And if we're going to play that role effectively, we've got to make sure that we're staying on top of the game. We've got to make sure that we are aware of what's happening and what we need to be doing and what the projections are from the, from the folks who know what's going on, the healthcare experts. And the only way to know that stuff is to read about it, to watch the news, listen to the news, 
and that sort of thing. And by the way, while we're doing that, we got to be careful where we're getting our news because I'm seeing a lot more links every day to YouTube videos that are showing up in my Facebook feed that folks are sharing. And most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, these folks on YouTube that are putting this stuff out there, it is nothing but crazy conspiracy theories that have absolutely no merit whatsoever. And you got to be cautious about that because I promise you, if someone, and this isn't always the case, sometimes there are people with legitimate stories to share, legitimate news to break, who don't have any other platform other than YouTube. And so they use YouTube to share this stuff. But most of the time, if, it, if they're putting their stuff out on YouTube, if that's the only platform they've got, it's because it's not legitimate. So you got to be careful with that. And you got to stay away from that. So anyway, I don't know how I got off on that tangent, but coronavirus. The big news out of Scott County today, of course, is unfortunately there was a fourth case of coronavirus that was confirmed today. Scott County Mayor Jeff Tibbles making that confirmation earlier this afternoon after speaking to the local health department. And if you've been keeping up with the daily tally through the State Department of Health, you know that this number was not reflected in that state report this afternoon. But Jeff Tobles confirming that earlier today, a fourth case of the coronavirus in Scott County. Now, the good news, Mayor Tibbles said that he has been in contact with the health department and they have concluded their contact survey investigation, whatever you want to call it, and they've determined that this fourth patient has not had contact with people through an industry or a business in Scott County. So the big news from this, and fourth, a fourth case is not a surprise. We know those numbers are going to keep going up. And I think I said in the last podcast that we did last week that once this thing started to take off in Knoxville, which it has, there are well over 100 cases in Knoxville now. Once it starts to take off in Knoxville, that's when we're going to see it start to take off in Scott County and these other rural areas around Knoxville. You just don't have the traffic between Nashville and Scott County that you've got between Knoxville and Scott County. So many, so many Scott Countyers are traveling to Knoxville, even if, even if our shopping has completely been shut down. And I promise you there are still folks that are going to Knoxville right now to buy groceries and that sort of thing. But the bigger thing is all the folks that we have who are going to work in Knoxville. So there's still traffic between Scott County and Knoxville. 63 has not been shut down by any stretch of the imagination. Interstate 75 has not been shut down. So with this thing starting to take off in Knoxville, that's going to trickle down to us in Scott County. And it's going to take a few days, but it's going to trickle down. As of right now, we're still only seeing about one case per every five days in Scott County. There's going to come a point where we're seeing multiple cases per day in Scott County. We're not there yet. And what that means is that as of this point, from all indications, we still don't have community spread of the coronavirus in Scott County based on things that we know. Now, I know there are a lot of people who say, well, it's been here a lot longer than we think, and there are a lot more cases out there. We're just not testing for them. And you know what? We're not doing enough testing in Scott County. We know that there are people in Scott County who have got symptoms that probably warrant being tested, but because those tests are limited, they're not being tested unless they meet certain criteria. But with that said, as of today, there had been 69 people tested in Scott County. Now, if you're breaking that down on a per capita basis, that would mean that there have been 69, uh, that would mean that there have been 311 people tested per 100,000 in Scott County. 
that's not a ton, okay? Tennessee, as of today, had tested 696 people per 100,000. So in Scott County, we're testing at a little less than half the rate of the Tennessee average. But still, 311 people per 100,000, if you look at the way everybody else around us in the other states, with the exception of Louisiana, if you look at the rates that these other states are testing, Scott County's testing right now is pretty much on par with that. So 69 tests in a county of 22,000 people is not enough, but I think it's enough to say that, I think it's enough to make a fairly educated guess that we don't yet have that community spread in Scott County. And here's an interesting thing. Uh, Mayor Tibbles has shared this on his Facebook page, and then he, he and I were also talking about this yesterday. Mayor Tibbles pointing out that Scott County, the numbers, here's the thing about the numbers, the tests that are being reported by the state of Tennessee. They are breaking them down into two categories. Now, they're not, not breaking them down at the county level, but at the state level, they're breaking these down and they're showing you that X amount of people have been tested through the public lab, which is the state lab. That's the lab that the health departments use. And then X number of people are being tested through the private labs. In Scott County, According to Mayor Tibbles, who has been in contact with the local health department, the only private lab that is being counted in these numbers is AEL. Now, that's a large lab. It's used by Grace Primary Care Clinic, which is probably the largest single physician's office in Scott County right now. But there is another lab that's a large lab, LabCorp, that is being used by Mountain Peoples, which overall would be the largest physician's office in Scott County simply because they have got several different offices, several clinics spread throughout the community. Uh, Big South Fort Medical Center also uses LabCorp, and then there are some other smaller labs out there that are used as well. So the point that Mayor Tibbles is making is that there are a lot more Scott Countyans who are being tested than are showing up in the numbers. Now, whether that's true for every other county in the state, I don't know. But if that's true for Scott County and not true for the other counties in the state, then, then Scott County is probably on par with the testing that is being done elsewhere in Tennessee. But even if it's true for every county in Tennessee, I think we can safely say that based on the Southeast as a whole, based on this region as a whole, Scott County is testing quite a few people. So as of right now, to have four cases confirmed in Scott County, I don't think that this virus is nearly as widespread in our community as maybe a lot of the conventional wisdom has suggested that it is up to this point. And we're probably going to get there. It's inevitable we're probably going to get there. But as of right now, we're not there. So that's good. That's good. All right, elsewhere in Tennessee today, 3,802. That is the total number of coronavirus cases that, is, that have been detected in Tennessee. And again, Tennessee's testing now is up to 696 per 100,000 people. Tennessee's still the number two state in the southeast for testing behind Louisiana. Tennessee's testing a lot of people. That's why there are as many confirmed cases in, in Tennessee as there are. There has been a lot that has been made of the difference between Tennessee and Kentucky. I think to compare the way that these two states and their governors have responded to this crisis, that's legitimate. That's a legitimate comparison. But if we're going to make that comparison and we're going to use the number of confirmed cases in each state, and I haven't seen Kentucky's numbers as of today, but as of yesterday, they had 900 confirmed cases, which is obviously just a fraction of the number that Tennessee has got. If we're going to make the comparison between the responses in these states, I think it's fair to make a comparison. If we're using those numbers to support that claim, we've got to look at the testing per capita, 
that Kentucky is doing versus the testing per capita that Tennessee is doing. Tennessee has tested 47,000 people plus. Kentucky has tested 18,000 people plus. Now, Kentucky's got a smaller population. I haven't run the math, and I'm not smart enough to sit and do the math in my head. I'm no Jeff Tibbles. But Tennessee had about 6.8 million people. Kentucky had about 4.4. If Tennessee has tested 47,000-plus and Kentucky has tested 18,000-plus, I can tell you that Tennessee is way ahead of Kentucky in testing per capita. That may not quite explain the difference between 3,800 positive cases and 900 positive cases, but I think it's fair to point out that Tennessee, one of the reasons that there are so many confirmed cases in Tennessee compared to the other states in the southeast is because Tennessee has tested so many people. Now, the good news is that Tennessee today confirmed just over 200 additional cases. That is the smallest number. It's actually just under 200 additional cases today. That is the smallest number of tests uh, cases confirmed in a 24-hour period in one week. You've got to go back to last Monday to find the last time there were this few cases reported. And if you look at the percentage increase of Tennessee's total case count, it went up 4% today. Now, that's the fifth consecutive day that Tennessee's total number of tests have increased. Uh, I keep saying tests instead of cases. It's the fifth consecutive day that Tennessee's total number of cases have increased by single-digit percentages. And the 4% increase is the lowest percentage-wise increase in at least the last couple of weeks. So you got to go back to the days when Tennessee was reporting dozens, not hundreds, of cases to find the last time that the increase was this small in a single day. That's the good news. The bad news is that Tennessee today reported its single highest death toll so far. 21 deaths reported today alone in the state of Tennessee. That brings the total of deaths related to coronavirus in Tennessee to 65. Now, the, the total death rate for Tennessee with, that, with those added numbers has jumped all the way now to 1.8%. 1.8% of Tennessee's confirmed cases of the coronavirus ending in death. So those are just the latest updates in Scott County and Tennessee. I didn't mean to take that much time going over those. But uh, just to give you the overall picture of, of where the coronavirus stands in Scott County. Here's the big news, in my opinion, today. Now, last night, we published on IHONADA.com a story about the University of Washington model that attempts to project the wear and tear that COVID-19 is going to have on America's healthcare system as we go forward and as we get closer to the peak of this outbreak in the United States. And in, this is a model that you have heard a lot about. If you've been keeping up with the daily briefings at the state and federal level, you've heard a lot about this. This model was kind of thrust into the mainstream last Monday during President Trump's daily briefing when Dr. Deborah Burks, who was heading up the president's coronavirus response team, made reference to this model from the University of Washington Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee has also made reference to this model. So this is a model that is being used to dictate our public response in America to the coronavirus outbreak. And this is the model that helped President Trump change his tone. If you remember, if you go back a little over a week ago, maybe 10 to 12 days ago, President Trump was dead set 
on getting America back to normal by Easter weekend, which is this upcoming weekend. But all of a sudden, last Sunday, he shifted, and he, he did an about-face on that, and he said that the public or, or the social distancing policies that were in place in America would remain in place, not policies, guidelines. These guidelines for social distancing would remain in place through April the 30th. And he said the goal of the federal government is to keep the total number of coronavirus deaths in America to 100,000, maybe less. And maybe it will be more, but hopefully it will be less. And that's a horrible number, but if we can keep it to less than 100,000, we've done a great job. That's paraphrasing a little bit, but that's essentially what the president said. So it was a huge difference in his tone on Monday of last week compared to what he had been saying the week before. And the reason he changed his tone was he had consulted and his advisors had consulted him on this University of Washington model on the COVID-19 impact on America's healthcare system. And it was a pretty dire picture that this model was painting. But if you go back to last Monday, and this model is important because it's being used by the politicians at the state and federal levels, by the elected officials to, to determine what our policies are going to be. Bill Lee used this model to help convince himself to put in the executive orders that he put into place last week, which forced non-essential businesses to close and also put into place a stay-at-home order. This model originally projected that America's health care system would be overwhelmed, which is not new. Pretty much everybody was projecting that the, that the hospital capacities in America would eventually be overwhelmed. But it wasn't nearly as bad for Tennessee. As of last Monday, when Dr. Burks made reference to this model during the president's briefing from the, from the Rose Garden at the White House, Tennessee was one of only nine states in America at that point where this model was not projecting that the health care system would be overwhelmed. It projected that there would be 35 deaths per day in Tennessee when this model reaches its peak in another couple of weeks. But at some point last week when the model updated, all of a sudden it started to paint this incredibly dire picture of what the worst case scenario, not the worst case scenario, what the scenario would be in Tennessee when this thing reaches its peak. Now, to set the stage on the front end, Tennessee has got a total number of hospital beds available of 7,812. That is, if you take every bed at every hospital in the state, from Big South Fort Medical Center in Oneida to University of Tennessee Medical Center to the Tenova Healthcare Systems to Vanderbilt University Medical Center, you had all the, healthcare, all the hospitals in Tennessee up, and you got 7,812 available hospital beds. Among them, you've got a total of 629 intensive care unit beds. And if you've got a patient who is critically ill from COVID-19 or from anything else, and they need that specialized treatment, they go into the ICU because there is equipment in those rooms that are not available in a standard room. For example, if you've got to go on a ventilator, we've heard so much about ventilators in recent weeks. If you've got to go on a ventilator, then you've got to be in the ICU. So in the state of Tennessee, there are a grand total of 629 ICU beds available. Here's what this model was projecting for Tennessee as of yesterday. As of yesterday, it was projecting that Tennessee would need 4,870 hospital beds for the, for the patients of the coronavirus. 
it was projecting that as of yesterday, Tennessee would need 1,028 ICU beds. So Tennessee has a capacity of 629, and it was projecting as of yesterday that Tennessee would need 1,028. Now, this, these projections were made based on data that was put into the model on Wednesday. So it projected that in four days, Tennessee would need 1,000-plus ICU beds. But here was the situation in Tennessee as of yesterday. There had been a total of 3,633 cases of the coronavirus that had been confirmed. There had been a total of 328 of those patients who had required hospitalization. And that was not a current total. It wasn't that there were 328 patients that were hospitalized yesterday. That is a cumulative total. There have been a total since day one of 328 hospitalizations in the state of Tennessee. Some of those patients have recovered and have been released. Some of those patients, unfortunately, have also died. There are not 328 people in the hospital in Tennessee right now. But this model was projecting that there would be 4,870 people in the hospital as of yesterday and that over 1,000 of them would be in the intensive care. It is severely, severely wrong. And this is important because that so many people in America are taking this model to heart. So many elected officials are using this to guide their thinking and to guide their response. And it's fooled a lot of people. And I'll tell you one person that it's fooled. We had a story. I mentioned that we put this story up last night on IHONIDA.com. Even when I published this story, in my mind, I'm thinking there's no way that these numbers add up. And here's the category that I was looking at. That model was projecting that as of April the 13th, that's one week from today, that is the day that Tennessee would surpass 100 people per day dying from the coronavirus. Now, the model projected that as at the peak six days later, on April the 19th, there would be 135 Tennesseans dying per day. And that by the time we roll into May, there would be 3,400 Tennesseans dying total, or that would have died total. But as of April the 13th, one week from now, it was projecting that more than 100 Tennesseans would be dying per day. So I'm looking at this last night, and I'm saying there's 3,600 cases in Tennessee right now, 328 hospitalizations total since this outbreak began, and you're telling me that within one week there are going to be 100 Tennesseans dying per day. That absolutely does not add up. So I was actually sitting here last night, and I was doing this podcast. I was recording this podcast, and I was uh, tackling this data from that perspective to disprove what the model was saying about 100-plus Tennesseans dying per day by April the 13th. But as I sat here and I looked at that data, I started looking at some of the other data that I just mentioned and the fact that, wait a minute, this model is saying that there's going to be 1,000 people in ICU by today, by tonight. There's going to be 1,000 people in ICU units across Tennessee, but there have only been 328 hospitalizations total since this thing began. So based on how severely incorrect that model was, I, I immediately went back to IHONIDA.com to delete the story that we had published because I'm all about presenting both sides of every story. But something that is that badly incorrect should not see the light of day. So I went back to delete that story, and as I did that, I went to Facebook to delete our promo post that was up there. And as I did that, I saw that B.J. Gislason, who is a DJ at WBNT Radio, had 
commented and had pointed out the same thing. He's been watching those numbers, and he's saying, look, this model is already projecting that there are far, far more people in the hospital as of right now than there actually are in Tennessee. So then I got to reading some of the pundits had caught on to this a couple of days ago, how really wrong that this model is, not for Tennessee necessarily. I didn't see where anybody was pointing out how really badly wrong it was in Tennessee, but they were pointing out some of the numbers in some of the other states and in America as a whole. So this model's credibility is really, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of a lot of other people, has really taken a hit in the last few days. This is how wrong it was in Tennessee. It projected that as of yesterday, as of Sunday, there would be 27 deaths in Tennessee in a single day. There was one. One death reported in Tennessee. Now, to be fair, to be fair, today, the Tennessee Department of Health did report 21 deaths. But I don't think that that is a standard that we're going to see. I don't think we're going to see that play out again tomorrow and again on Wednesday and again on Thursday. I may be wrong. I hope I'm not wrong, but I could be wrong. But I think that the 21 deaths that we saw today was probably an anomaly. I think, if I'm being honest, and I don't have anything to back this up, but my guess is that some of those deaths probably occurred over the weekend and that they were all just added in today because yesterday when the state announced only a single death, that was actually a little bit of a surprise based on the percentages that we know. So the model... Some aspects, some aspects of it maybe were a little bit correct, but obviously a lot of aspect, aspects of it were severely incorrect. And in Tennessee, it was way overestimating the impact of coronavirus, but in some other states, it was actually underestimating the impact. In Kentucky, for example, this model from the University of Washington suggested that there would be 21 total deaths in the state of Kentucky by Sunday. Instead, in Kentucky, as of Sunday, there had been a total of 45 deaths. So it was way underestimating what was happening in Kentucky. Now, with all that said, the model did update last night. After I deleted the story and after I wrote a blog post pointing out the, the erroneous nature of this model, it did update. And it really toned down its projections for Tennessee. The update suggests that when this virus reaches its peak in Tennessee by April the 18th, there will be 1,232 beds that are needed and 245 ICU beds needed along with 208 ventilators. That is a huge difference from yesterday on this model, and that is way under capacity, by the way. Tennessee with, with a total of 7,800 hospital beds, this suggests that at the peak there will be 1,200 people hospitalized. Tennessee with 629 ICU beds available. This model suggesting now that at the peak there will be 245 of those ICU beds that will be occupied. So Tennessee is in good shape based on those numbers to handle this outbreak. This outbreak is project, or, or the model projecting now that as of April the 15th or by April the 18th, there will be 25 Tennesseans dying per day. And by the time all is said and done, there will be a total of 587 deaths related to the coronavirus in Tennessee. Now, that's much more believable. That actually seems like it's probably in line, maybe even slightly underestimating what we can expect to happen in Tennessee. Nationwide, this model also scaling down its projections. It now projects that at the peak of this thing in America, there will be a total of 141,000 
hospital beds that will be needed. That is a shortage, by the way. That's 36,000 over capacity. It projects that there will be 29,200 ICU beds that are needed. That's 16,000 over capacity. So that's a problem. And it also projects that there will be 3,100 Americans who will die in a single day when this virus reaches its peak and that the eventual death toll will be just under 82,000. So based on everything that we know, that seems pretty legitimate. And to be fair, for America as a whole, this model didn't seem all that far off yesterday. Now, it, is, it has significantly downgraded the number of hospital beds and ICU beds that will be needed. It is downgraded by a, almost 12,000, the total number of Americans that it projects will die from coronavirus. But as, even as of yesterday, when those numbers were still higher, it seemed pretty legitimate. And as a matter of fact, it projected that there would be 9,800 deaths across the nation as of Sunday. Well, by yesterday evening, there were 9,600 deaths across the nation. So not everything about this model was wrong, but it was so bad in relation to just Tennessee that it is incredible that we were using this model to dictate our policies and to dictate what our response would be. Now, there are a lot of people who say we don't need these models. These models are junk. Throw them out the window. Models aren't perfect, okay? They're not perfect, but it really helps us to have the data and to know what our response is going to be. But we got to make sure that that data is accurate. The data only helps. That doesn't mean you take the human, the, and, and here's how I'll, I'll illustrate this. In weather, I'm a weather enthusiast. In weather, if you pull up your weather app on your phone, let's say you've got the, the Weather Channel's weather app on your phone, and you pull it up, you're going to find that it's really inaccurate a lot of times. And, and when a lot of people are really paying attention to that weather app is during the winter months. And you'll find that it is really inaccurate. That's because the Weather Channel's weather app bases everything for its local weather forecasts off of model projections, off of computers with numbers that are punched into them. And it has no human input whatsoever. And as a result, those forecasts are terribly inaccurate. Whereas if you watch, say, WBIR out of Knoxville, they're going to use those models to aid their forecasts, but they're also using human input from Todd Howe and the rest of their meteorologists, and their forecasts are a lot more accurate than what you'll find on the Weather Channel for one specific area. So I think everybody would agree that over the past 20 to 30 years, our weather forecasting in America has become a lot more accurate than it used to be. That's because we're using upgraded models. Now, we've had models for a long time. But we're using upgraded models to help meteorologists determine what the weather's going to do and to put their forecasts together. But it cannot take the place of human beings. And the same thing is true on the healthcare front. It's not like we can look at these models and say, okay, I'm going to take you at face value. They can aid what we're doing, but we still need experts. We need experts like Deborah Burks and like Anthony Fauci who can look at these models and say, okay, based on these models, here's what we think is going to happen. Okay? We didn't dismiss all the meteorologists in the weather field simply because we've got these computer models available. We still need meteorologists to derive accurate forecasts, and we use them. And no meteorologist worth his salt is going to look at a model 
and take it at face value. He might look at several different models and kind of put them together and use his common sense to make a forecast. But he's not going to look at one single model and make a forecast off that model. I promise you. The same thing's got to be true with coronavirus. We've got these experts out there. We've got to use them, and we can't have them looking at any one model, whether it be the University of Washington model or whether it be the Imperial College out of London model that was so talked about on the front end of this thing. We have got to have these experts use their expertise and their common sense and say, here's what the model says, and based on what the model says, here's what I think is going to happen. And I'm not sure we're doing that. I'm not sure we're doing that. So it's unfortunate that that University of Washington model was so wrong. Now, it, it appears right now, as of today, it appears that that model, I mean, you look at it and it looks pretty believable. But is it going to still look believable as of Tuesday or Wednesday? If we get into Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this week, Friday of this week, and that model is trending just as far off as it was yesterday, then we're going to have to throw that model out the window. And we've got to say that everything that we assumed about the coronavirus and every policy that we put into place based on these models are incorrect. We've got to. How can we sit here and make decisions about the way that we're going to, that we're going to respond to the coronavirus based on these models when we know that they're incorrect? And I had someone criticize me on Facebook earlier, and they said that it sounds like because you're critiquing this model that you don't think that this threat is that severe. And I, I kind of took exception to that because, listen, I've been talking about the severity of this virus since way back towards the beginning. Now, I'll admit, on the very front end of this thing, before it ever arrived in America, I was very dismissive of it. Even after it arrived in America, even after it had arrived in Tennessee, I was sort of dismissive of it. But I had someone who kind of force-fed me some data and said, you look at this. And I looked at that, and by the time I got through reading, I, had, I convinced myself that I was wrong. And since then, I have been sounding the alarm bells as loudly as I can that this coronavirus is the real deal, and we got to take it seriously. But at the same time, to suggest that, you know what, we're going to use these models, and we're going to throw out a worst-case scenario, even though we know that the data is horribly wrong, just because it sounds bad enough to scare people, we're going to throw it out there and act like it's the real deal, and we're not going to criticize it, and we're not going to question it. That's not very smart. And I'm just a newspaper journalist from East Tennessee. I don't get a say-so in what's being done at the state level. I certainly don't get a say-so on what's being done at the federal level. But I'm smart enough to know, without any health care training whatsoever, that there's got to be a better way than that. So the coronavirus is still a threat, but I hope that our elected officials are sitting and looking at this model and saying, let's stop paying attention to the model so much. Let's listen to our experts. And I hope our experts are smart enough to realize, let's stop basing everything on a single model and let's start using our own expertise. That's what I think. And, and again, I'm not an expert. I'm just a journalist. I'm paid to research and to write, and that's what I should be doing. I shouldn't even give my opinion like I am right here. But listen, I'm telling you, we are. this is unprecedented times in America, and we're making decisions that are going to take us years to recover from economically. It's going to cost a lot of people their jobs, and that's what a lot of people don't realize. There are so many small businesses, so many small businesses just in Scott County, but especially in Tennessee and across this nation as a whole that are not coming back from this. They may not have closed their doors yet, some of the ones that have closed their doors already will not reopen. 
when this thing is over. And some of them that are open right now will ultimately close. I promise you that. Because this thing is going to have a severe impact, severe impact on our economy. And I'm not saying, listen, there are a lot of people, people email me on a daily basis to try to convince me that what we're doing was wrong because it's crippling our economy. I don't think the fact that it's crippling our economy necessarily means that it was wrong. Because I think that right now, I think the social distancing measures that are in place are saving a lot of lives. I think right now, this minute, everything that we're doing is saving lives, even right here in Scott County. We talked about how we probably don't have community spread yet. We've only got four cases so far in Scott County. I think it's because of social distancing. And as much as it pains me to not be able to go hiking in the Big South Fork, the things that we're doing to shut down our public places, to shut down our businesses, you know, those things are going to pay off. So as of right now, we don't have, we don't have our kids in school. We're not playing sports. All of the places where we usually congregate, those things are shut down right now. That's a big reason. Does anybody think if school were still in session, if everybody were going to Walmart without taking precautions, if everybody were going to their favorite restaurants and sitting down and, and eating, if kids were going out on the playground at McDonald's and playing, does anybody really think that we, we would be sitting here on April the 6th and we would have a total of four cases in Scott County. I can almost assure you we would have far more than that. And we will eventually have more. It's inevitable, inevitable that it's going to spread. All right? And that's what flattening the curve is all about. You've seen the graphics that everybody's putting out there, and they say this is what flattening the curve is, and if you don't do anything to mitigate the spread, you've got a really fast increase and a huge spike, and then you've got a really quick decrease. If you flatten the curve... You still have the same number of infections overall, but it takes a lot longer for that line to rise, and then it kind of plateaus for a while, and then it starts dropping off slow. So what you do is you have the same number of cases, but you don't have that really quick spike that overwhelms your healthcare system. So a lot of people say, let's just do what we're supposed to be doing, and this thing will be over quicker. Well, that's actually not the case, and I agree we should be doing what we're supposed to be doing. We've got to, for the sake of everybody in our population who falls within those high risk in those high risk demographics we have got to do what we're supposed to be doing but the point is not let's do this so it'll be over with quicker and i've probably made the mistake of saying that myself the point of flattening the curve the very nature of flattening the curve means that the outbreak is going to last much longer that's simply it if, if we did nothing to mitigate it everybody would get sick at once and then it would end it would end just as suddenly as it began but when you flatten the curve, the outbreak actually lasts much longer. Just as many people get sick, probably not quite as many get sick, but a lot of people still get sick. The point is you're just delaying things so that it doesn't all come at you at once and overwhelm your healthcare system. And because we're doing that, and because our method, our efforts are paying off, we're going to see lives saved. We'll never know how many lives that we have saved, but I promise you, the sacrifices that people are making right now are saving lives. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But we are, without a doubt, we are crippling our economy. We are destroying small businesses. We are taking people who have worked their entire lives to get where they're at because small businesses are notoriously low-profit businesses. Okay, The profit margins are small. These are not people that are sitting there getting rich. They put their entire lives into getting where they're at and they don't necessarily have huge nest eggs built up that they can fall back on. 
So we're asking people to literally, this is not an exaggeration, we're asking small business owners to sacrifice everything for this. And they are. A lot of times without question. We're asking people who are looking at retiring in a couple of years to delay that retirement because they're not going to be able to retire in a couple of years because what's happened with the stock market. Everybody's making exception, making sacrifices. But those are sacrifices that are saving lives. But the very least that we can do at the state level and at the federal level, the very least that we can do is make sure that we're making decisions that are not causing us to sacrifice in vain. So these models, I'm telling you, we got to throw them out the window if it gets to the point that we cannot rely on them. If we're sitting here and we're looking at a model that says that we're going to have 1,000 people in the ICU in Tennessee on Sunday, and we've only had 300 people total who've been hospitalized since the beginning, that model is so wrong that there's no saving it. And there is nothing wrong with pointing that out. We owe it to ourselves to point that out. We owe it to everybody around us to point that out. And I'm telling you right now that any news organization that doesn't point that out, frankly, they're not doing their job. So let's make sure as we move forward that we're putting as much stock into these numbers as the numbers deserve, because in some cases, they really don't deserve as much as we're putting in them. So enough rambling from me. That's all of my opinion you're going to get today. But thank you so much for joining us. We'll do this again on Wednesday. Until then, stay safe, wash your hands, practice social distancing, and have a great week.